0: Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 23. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: So today the topic uh, is faithfulness, as I mentioned. And when I think of faithfulness, and when I read more about faithfulness this week, it occurred to me, even before reading, but then reading widely among other authors, that it's probably true that the characteristic, namely faithfulness, is the one that people most often ascribe to God. When you look at the Psalms, they are just replete with references to God's faithfulness. And I want to begin with um, a description of those kind of references in the Old and in the New Testament and remind you of them. The first one I, I want you to remember with me is a reference to God's faithfulness in the book of Deuteronomy. The very end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is about ready to leave the people. He knows that he will not be able to go into the promised land. And so... He basically talks to them uh, and encourages them and counsels them before they enter the land. And right down near the end of that time in chapter 32, we hear these words. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as he. What's the point of those words to the people of Israel? They're in effect to remind them. This is Moses. They're in effect to remind them that God has been faithful to them all the way up until this point. He could have said, let's just stop and remember God's faithful ways to you. As you walked across that desert, this is a faithful and a just God that you serve. So as you go into this land, continue to serve that faithful and that just God. Later on in the history of Israel, King David, um, during the time where he probably was running from Saul, composed a number of psalms concerning God's faithfulness. And in Psalm 25, he composes a psalm that appears to be later in his life. We're not quite sure exactly what point it is in which he pins these words. But he says this All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep his covenant. You know what the context of that psalm is? David is saying, I'm being pursued by my enemies. And, at the same time, David is confessing his sins. He's saying, don't hold the sins of my youth against me. I've been a real scoundrel, God. I understand. I have not been faithful, but I'm asking you to be faithful because I know you're a faithful God. Another psalm that comes to mind is Psalm 33. Let's just call this a psalm of reminder for the people. In Psalm 33, we read these words. The word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The whole earth is full of his unfailing love. You can't get away from a faithful, loving, all-encompassing reality called God. Remember that, people, says the psalmist. God is faithful. Psalm 36 is a psalm that speaks right in the midst of trouble. And the words are these. Your love, Lord, in spite of my circumstances, your love, I recognize, reaches to the heavens. An ancient person could have conceived of nothing higher than the heavens. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. I can't get beyond it. I can't understand it. We're going to sing uh, at the end of the sermon a favorite old hymn that most of you could sing without even looking at the words on the screen. That is, Great as Thy Faithfulness. Actually, those words come from the book of Lamentations. When the author of that song put them together, he used that phrase. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You know the context of that description of God's faithfulness? It's in the midst of a lament. It's in the midst of a period of time in the history of Israel that they had turned their back on God. And the writer is lamenting over their sins and over his sins. And he says, just imagine right in the middle of all this sinfulness, God, your love is amazing. Your faithfulness is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we transition to the New Testament, we read many statements concerning God's faithfulness. But as you might expect, in the New Testament, it transitions into the faithfulness of, of God expressed or delivered to us in the person of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, God is faithful. He promised through Abraham to bless the whole world and to bring all nations to himself. God is faithful because he's introduced you to Jesus Christ. And you... Now you're the children of Abraham, says Paul in another place. You weren't born into it, you were outsiders. God, great is your faithfulness. Another occasion, Paul reflecting on the difficulties of the Christian life says this No temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to humans. And God is faithful, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Even in the midst of the worst part of life, being tempted to walk away from God, God will be faithful to you so that you don't walk away. It really is amazing to me that the God of the universe continues to pursue those who walk away. Why should he? Because it's his nature. He loves that much. And he's faithful when we are not. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Not only is he faithful to pursue you, but he's so faithful to you that he will not let Satan get you in his grasp. Remember the admonition to Peter? Satan has desired to have you said Jesus, but I've prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but
0: I've prayed for you.
1: The evil one wants you, but I have prayed for you. Because God is faithful. A really famous phrase that is repeated so often, Old and New Testament, that you hardly know where it is unless you do some sort of word Search on it is, I will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Hebrews, the Gospels. The theme is reiterated over and over again. And then there's a, a benediction that I sometimes use um, with all of you. It's from First Thessalonians five twenty-three through twenty-four. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Can I stop and insert a little life in there? May God himself the God of peace in the midst of every part of life. Use every part of life to shape you and mold you and make you special. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. And may your whole soul and body be presented blameless. Are you kidding me? Blameless. Do any of you, any of you, feel blameless? May God sanctify you through and through and present you blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the phrase, the one who promised is faithful and he will do it. Sometimes it seems like it's not possible. That I or you could ever be presented as blameless. But God is faithful and he will do it. Just keep walking. So those are just various scripture passages about the faithfulness of God. Here's the transition. As those who claim to follow Jesus, we inevitably are called to emulate God in Jesus Christ. So then the practical question becomes rather obvious, doesn't it? How do we emulate God's faithfulness? That could be a, a series of conversations. That's one thing. I don't really like about preaching. I like to make it conversational, but I can't hear you. I wish we could talk about what's it mean to be faithful. Let me make just a few suggestions. And then, then I would suggest you take the suggestions if you take notes and write some more. It's a, it's a good exercise. What does it mean to be faithful? So the first suggestion is this, faithfulness, well, it is discipleship. The the parable of the talents that was just read is a perfect example of it. God has given you what God has given you, whatever those talents are. To be faithful means to take what God has given you and reproduce it. To be a disciple. I just finished uh, doing the membership class. um, And I I love doing the membership class because it is one of those opportunities where I get to talk with people. And one of the parts of the membership class is the description of the history of our church, not ECC. We get to that, but the history of the church and how the church became the church and... uh, I just love that conversation. But one of the parts of the conversation is to discuss the name church and where it came from or the name Christian and where it came from and the designation that identifies us. And we know that the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch in the book of Acts. Seems to have been a term of derision. We also know Christians or the church are By Paul's description, the body of Christ, that's a wonderful image. There's another word that's often used to describe the church or Christians. It's ecclesia, which means called out ones. Those who are called out to be different in the world, you might extrapolate from that basic definition. But as I say in the class and I say now, My favorite one is the one you hardly ever hear. It's actually in the New Testament. Early on, Christians were called people of the way. People of the way. Isn't that beautiful? People of the way. That's why my favorite designation that I frequently use, don't know if you've noticed, is Christ followers. That's what Christians are. They're Christ followers. The reason I love the, the description is because it's not static, it's active. And Tim did a wonderful job a moment ago when we recited the Creed and reminding us what the I believe phrase meant. It didn't just mean mental assent. The kind of I believe is I believe and because I believe so deeply I step into the life of Jesus with you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's not static. Salvation and I think it's potentially one of our Achilles heels in our tradition. Salvation is not a sign deed. It's not a, I believe so I've got my ticket to heaven. I believe so I'm eternally secure. I believe fill in the gaps. That's not the kind of belief that Christ calls us to. If that were true, he wouldn't have said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle James, that you believe? Great. Thumbs up. Even the devils believe and they tremble. I'm not talking about that kind of belief, says James. Nor was Jesus. He was talking about following. So what is it to be faithful? To be faithful is to be a disciple. Second, what is it to be faithful? Well, faithfulness is devotion. Devotion. You're devoted to the things that are the most important to you, right? That's what you're devoted to. So if somebody said to you, I am completely devoted to my family, it would be justified for you to say, So, how much time do you spend with your family? Right? That would be a justifiable question. Why would it be? Because you're asking them to prove their devotion. You're saying, if, if your family is really that important, do you really spend time with them? Or do you just provide for them? Devotion um, can be identified by how much time we spend on the thing we claim to be devoted to. We take time for the things that are important to us, don't we? That means that if we're fully devoted to Jesus, we give our best to God. We place God first in everything. It means, quite frankly, that if we're devoted to God, we have time alone with God. So let me ask you to do an inventory. If you claim to be fully devoted to God, ask yourself this question. In a 24-hour day, how much of my time is singularly devoted to God and God alone? Now, I don't mean... Well, I work and I honor God with my... No, I'm not talking about that. That is wonderful and and just great. I'm asking a different question. Ask of the 24-hour period of tomorrow, how much of that 24-hour period is exclusively devoted to God? You know what 10% would be, right? Probably a lot more than any of us do. If you do the inventory, you may be surprised or shocked or disappointed. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just suggesting. Take an inventory. Faithfulness is discipleship. Faithfulness is devotion. Faithfulness is selfless service. So I have another um, question that I wish we could discuss. If someone asked you to give just one word, only one, one word that you thought was the best description of our contemporary culture, what would that one word be? What would it be? Not all of you can answer, but since I asked the question, I have to answer. The word would be narcissism. So why do you have to be so critical, Bob? I'm just telling you what comes to mind. I don't I don't mean to be crazy and extreme with the definition. Let me let me just make it basic for us. It means focus on self. Almost exclusively. Focus on self. How many times have you heard a phrase like this? In a movie, on TV, in your workplace, at the church. I got to do what's best for me. My needs aren't being met in this relationship. I really need some me time. I need to focus on self love. Not altogether bad. But ask yourself this question Can you ever, ever imagine Jesus uttering such a phrase? Can you? I'll give you some of his phrases. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever loses his life or wishes to find his life will lose his life. And in losing it, he'll find it if he loses it for me in the gospel. Seems altogether contrary to our contemporary culture. Okay, so since this is really quiet, you can hear a pin drop even on the carpet. Let me drill down a little bit more. How often have one of those phrases not the ones of Jesus, the ones I repeated earlier, been reflected in your words when you think about church. I'm, I'm just not connecting with those people. I, and, and this place, my needs really aren't being met. fill in the gaps I wish as the body of Christ at least together we could simply eliminate that kind of language and replace it with how can I serve do you have any idea What that would do to our church. If your first question and my first question was not about self, but was about others, what would it do? So I've got one final um, statement about faithfulness in three minutes faithfulness is encouragement. When you are faithful, it encourages others. I'd like to call out some names right here and right now and say, he encourages me and she encourages me. And I could list a long list of people who encourage me, not because they say so much, but because they're faithful faithful to God and to others. This week, um, ran into a story that might at the outset sound like it has nothing to do with faithfulness, but, you know, I'm a preacher, so I manipulate stories to make them work. Um, <laughs> the story was about uh, an older couple and the wife... Um, was suffering from a terminal terminal illness and um, didn't have a lot lot of time to live. And her husband decided that he would do something. And so he made a little sign, and he put it out at the end of their driveway on on what was a rather busy road. And the sign said, "Honk if you're happy." Uh, there was a father and a daughter and he would take his daughter to school as I recall every day and on the way he looked one time at the sign and either prompted by his daughter or prompted by himself he just honked and his daughter just squealed with delight that's awesome daddy let's do it again so every time they passed the sign he would honk and before long People who passed that way every day were honking all along. And one day the sign disappeared. And he passed the sign uh, so many times he wondered what happened to it and finally decided he'd, he'd try to find out. So he went down this long driveway which went to nothing but one house. And uh, it was a small house. And he knocked on the door. And an older gentleman came to the door, and he said, Sir, um, down here at the end of your driveway for a long time, there was a, song, a sign that said, a honk if you're happy. I, I just wonder if you know who put it out there. And the gentleman said, Yeah, come in. I'll tell you the story. So he stepped into the gentleman's house, and he said, uh, My wife uh, had a terminal illness. She couldn't get out of the house, and we were just here alone. So I decided I would put a sign out there, honk if you're happy, and maybe something would come of it. And he said, sure enough, people started honking. He said, one day my wife turned to me and said, what's that all about? Why are people honking out there? And he said, I told her the story. He said, you have no idea How encouraging it was for us to wake in the morning, sit in the living room, and listen to people honk. Said it was almost like they entered our house. It was like light and encouragement was with us right up until she died. Here's what I want to say. Faithfulness from you is like that honk to others around you. Yeah, in your work, in your family, and right here. Yeah, it's probably pretty obvious that I'm encouraged when you're faithful and you show up. But did you realize your presence encourages others as well? It's not all about you. I end with this verse from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to spur one another on to love And good deeds. And let us not neglect meeting together. As some have made a habit. But let us encourage one another. And all the more. As you see the day approaching. Thank you. For your faithfulness. Let's pray together what we've been praying for weeks on end. Um, that God will bring the fruit of the Spirit into our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray this day may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons in one God, have mercy on me.